start. We'll go in the order. We'll start with the Shabbos that goes before Pesach. As we talked about, the Shabbos before Pesach uh, is called the Shabbos Hagodl. It's called the Big Shabbos. And the reason why it's called the Big Shabbos is because a great miracle took place in which the firstborn Egyptians waged war against their own people, the Egyptians against the Egyptians, because they were told that they're going to die if they don't go out of Egypt. So they, so they waged the war against them. And that was set up as a remembrance on the Shabbos. It wasn't Shabbos that year, but instead of setting it up uh, on the 10th day, we, we talked about that, right. I just want to go through uh, briefly again. This is the beginning of the redemption and the miracle. Now, this Shabbos uh, basically should be utilized, the Shabbos before Pesach, to prepare ourselves for Pesach, just to make sure, you know, you don't prepare on Shabbos. We're talking about the study and the uh, uh, law, law, laws of Pesach, you know, uh, um, one is not supposed to prepare from Shabbos for the weekday, but or for even for Yontiv. Shabbos is in a higher level than Yontiv. But we're talking about Shabbos, learning on learning on Shabbos. So it's a mitzvah to learn anyways. But you are also preparing for the laws of Pesach. So that doesn't count as, I guess, preparation for the for the Yontiv. It's more like a, se- a study session. Um, also, the children should know the four questions to know the asking what what to ask. And also the other matters of the Seder. And, but the Rebbe says, it's called Godel, the big Shabbos. Everything has to be done in a big way. You know, in other words, not in a uh, small way. Just think big, you know. So the Rebbe says, when you're going to help people with food for the meal of, of uh, Yontav, do it in a big way. Don't... <laughs> Don't do it in a small way. Just make everything in a big way. That's called Shabbos Agodel to give you that. That do it in a big way, not in a in a small way. That means and a big kiddush on Shabbos. A big way. kiddush on Shabbos. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, that's Mitch. That's up to Mitch. Yeah, oh, okay. okay. Uh, and also the uh, the Rebbe um, Alter Rebbe we learned in the Shulchan Aruch. He says, you know, there is the uh, custom that the Rabbi gives a. Uh, sermon on the Shabbos before Passover so sometimes they utilize it for uh, you know a nice uh, talk uh, but the Alter Rebbe writes that you should utilize it mostly to teach people halachas so they know what to do uh, I also saw in the Rebbe's writing, the Rebbe says it's very important when you study and that's one of the reasons we study is halacha just to know how to do it in real life practices more than just academics, more than just trying to ideas. Those are important, and of course we should do that. But first, in order comes the uh, traditions. What we need to do, uh, even though the Alter Rebbe also writes that in our days everybody has a book, everybody knows you can all read. The reality is, a even if we read it, the next year we forget it. <laughs> it's unfortunate, and so we have to read it again. And B, we don't always read, you know, sometimes we forget. So it's important that we read it. Now, the uh, tradition is on Shabbos Haggadah, after Mincha, we're going to do a section of the Haggadah. Uh, we start with the Avadim Hayinu, that's the beginning of the story, the response to the child, until we come to the 
piece which deals with the actual items on the Seder plate, which we'll go through in Mitzvah Shem in the, few, in the next few days, we'll go through the other things. But now, uh, before that, we, uh, we'll just talk about, uh, on Shabbos, I just want you to know, on the Saturday night, Mariv, if you dive in Mariv Saturday night, you will notice in the Seder, there is two extra pieces. It's the Vihinoyam, the Yosheb B'Seser, and Ata Kodesh. Uh, on Friday night, uh, on Saturday night, it's uh, by tradition, the oldest souls, uh, when it comes to Shabbos, they all are brought into heaven. Even those that have to be in purgatory in Gehenna, but on Shabbos, everybody goes into, into, uh, into heaven. But after Shabbos, some have to go back. So there is a, a special prayer. That's what we do, the special prayer of the Hinoyam. We also ask Hashem for success in the work that we're going to do. Of course, Shabbos is a day of rest, so we don't do any work. So we say the Vihinoyam. And we also do the Va'ata Kadosh. But that's only done if the following days of the week are all weekdays. If you have a Yontif that comes in that week after Shabbos, we don't do V'inoyim V'ata Kodesh. So that means that Shabbos HaGadol, you're never going to say V'inoyim and Ata Kodesh, those two pieces, because you have a Yontif, which is of course Yontif Pesach that follows. Also, the 13th day of Nisan, which is one day before Erev Pesach, is the passing of the Tzemach Tzedek. He was the third Lubavitcher Rebbe. And um, the, um, the timing of, uh, of the passing of a Rebbe is certainly a great uh, moment, auspicious moment, you know, studying uh, his uh, Mishnah is for the name, studying about the uh, special teachings of the Tzemach Tzedek to add in davening, to give more tzedakah, and also to get together in a, a joyful uh, gathering and to utilize uh, the Rebbe wanted to maximize every every opportunity to get people together, strengthen each other. And uh, uh, the Rebbe, um, the Chabad tradition is, you know, to go it alone is difficult, you know, to do it, you know, to uh, do it on your own. But when you become part of a group, you know, uh, then it makes it easier for everybody to go ahead and and do and support. It's like today they have support groups for every different kind of, of thing. So th- this is a support group to be able to serve Hashem, to be in uh, support of Hashem. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the searching of the chametz. Basically, we start off the holiday of Passover with searching of the chametz. Uh, so before we go and search the chametz, of course, we got to make sure that it's clean. If you're going to have a big mess, you're not going to be able to uh, search it. So you got to make sure that things are organized. You also want to make sure that beforehand you are going to, um, um, you know, uh, clean up the major. You know, you're not going to leave loaves of bread around and things. You know, you have to put everything neatly, neatly away. Um, after you're going to fi- checking the chametz, you're still going to be eating chametz for that night and also the next morning until the time that you can eat the chametz, which we'll go through the calendar later on to see exactly. But you have to um, uh, make sure that whatever you're going to be still using is in a designated place and not all over the house. Uh, you don't want the children or uh, you don't want uh, 
uh, rodents or anything else getting a hold of, uh, hopefully we don't have them at home, but in the olden days they used to deal with the rodents all the time. Uh, and, um, and I guess if you live in an apartment building in New York, you've got to deal with Boston it. In Boston too. In Boston too, okay. <laughs> so uh, hopefully in the private homes there are less of a problem most of the time. Um, and um, um, the tradition is that before you check the chametz to place 10 pieces of chametz which are uh, not crummy, they won't cr- become crumbs so that they stay and um, you have small pieces not to have a real chametz like in the size of an olive a little less than that and you wrap it in regular paper you know, not silver foil as we had spoken about because if you pull them in silver foil then you won't be able to burn them later on um, and we want that all these pieces together should be like a kazai, it should be something substantial not just, uh, you know, you don't want to take a little crumb because you want to take something that would be constitute chametz, not just um, and um, you know, sometimes, you know, we, what we do for practical reasons is we have the children write down if they're going to hide, you know, they want to make sure that you're really checking properly. So they, pro- they put it away in different places. And, uh, and if you don't find them, what is going to happen? You're going to have a problem. So if you have a list, so you can just go by your list and say, oh, I put two over there and one over there. So you can find the 10 places where you hid them. You may have a problem sometimes, you know, you can't find one of them. That's, that would be cause you a problem. We have to figure that out. That could be problematic because you know for sure I had another piece of chametz over there and then we can't find it. So um, better is that it shouldn't come to that. So you make sure that you have a list and you know exactly where you put it and um, make, it, um, make it somebody responsible. Um, now, when is it done? It's done as soon as the stars comes out. After we daven Mariv, we daven Mariv, and then we do the, of course, if there's a minion, you daven with a minion, then you come home, you know, but you do it right soon. As soon as it's come, that's when the mitzvah is. Where do, we spe- ins- where do we inspect? Any place that there's even a possibility that you may have put chametz there, there may have been chametz over there, as we learned some of the laws in the Shulchan Aruch, you know, where a person might place chametz, then you have to search those places. How do you search? Well, we learned that you use the uh, best one is to put a wax uh, candle. Yeah, if you have beeswax, that's the best. Yeah, but the best is beeswax, and uh, you actually use. I'm not sure. I mean, why the source of that uh, custom is, but they use the um, a, a uh, feather from a from from a bird. They use a feather, a feather, that's what they use. Um, I mean, supposedly you can sweep up with it or it's meant like that. But it gets in little corners maybe, you know? Yeah, well, but I haven't seen the practical use of it that much. But I guess in the it's olden days, I guess that was an easy kind of a sweeper that the people used to sweep with. From the chicken. Yeah, yeah the, maybe that was left over from the chicken, yeah. It wasn't on the floor, though. It was in the other places in the house. House or the I holes. Okay. But in anyway, that's become the tradition to use a feather. And uh, what, you, what you do is that you, the one who inspects, he places the chametz that you find, you put it into a small bag. You have a small bag. And, uh, and when you finish searching, uh, then what you do is you put everything which is the feather 
and you take the uh, candle, uh, what's left over, I mean, you have leftover, supposedly, I mean, you didn't go with old ways, burn it to the bottom, so you have a little leftover from the candle, and you put it into a wooden spoon. And you have a wooden spoon, so they don't use the spoon for checking, but later on, they put the wooden, they put it into the, uh, into the uh, plate of the spoon, the, uh, in the, oh, you know, when they clean with the feather, they put it into the spoon? No, no. later on. The first, you put it into a little uh, bag. You okay. have a, a, a black, uh, a paper bag. Okay. So you put everything in a paper bag, and you put everything in there. I don't know if I'm going to be back or not. Depends on... Okay. Let me know. I'll wait to hear from you. I'll let you, I'll wait to hear from you. Okay, Pseudus Davis. You put it into the bag, into the bag, but what you do later on, uh, well, no. So, so what you do, so, no. So you're gonna take the feather and the and the candle. You're gonna put it into a spoon. Now, not the, the hummus is in the bag already because oh, you will okay, okay. you had it in the bag. But you're okay. gonna put the spoon, the feather, and the candle. You're gonna put it into the spoon, and then you're going to wrap all. You're going to wrap that bag with the chametz, with the pieces, and the spoon, and the feather, and the candle, with a piece of, with a newspaper, or uh, uh, some paper, and you would put a string around, you leave the handle of of the spoon sticking out, and you tighten it, and and you tighten it, and then you you knot it. So basically, you're going to have a a, a paper-wrapped, Around the bag, around the spoon, and then and then it's going to be tied, and then you're going to hold it by the spoon handle. The handle of the spoon is basically handle. Now, again, why do they have it this way? I guess it's easier. You don't have to hold the chametz, or when you put it into the fire, maybe and the practical. Whole thing fire. And then you put the whole thing into the fire. Then you're holding up by the handle, so you don't have to hold the bag or get burnt or whatever. I'm not sure. But does the whole thing go in the spoon? Well, everything goes. The in. whole thing. That's why you have a wooden spoon. Yeah, yeah. A wooden spoon. It all gets burnt. It all gets burnt in the fire. Okay. Now we already learned. We learned already that it's not. It's not because we need. You would search the chametz even without finding pieces, without burning. You would still do the mitzvah. But we learned various reasons. But we'll just go on to the practical application, the way we do this. Um, as we spoke also in between the beginning of the searching and the bracha, when you make the bracha and you begin to search, there is no speaking at all, even with matters that relate to the searching. And um, to talk from other, about other matters, if possible, better during the whole searching, only talk about searching. Don't about study, about the laws of Pesach, leave that for later. Just concentrate on your searching, not to talk about anything else. Now, what happens is, we, if it's especially in our large homes, if you have other family members, you put them while you're making the bracha, and each one listens and answers amen each one goes to his own place but before they leave they go slowly they start so they don't make an interruption between the bracha and the place everybody scatters later on out in places in their own uh, in their own area and also the head of the household should search also because you don't want to give away the whole mitzvah you don't want to say i'm too tired and uh, i mean by the time you come to uh chametz, the people are so are so exhausted already, and they're so tired that um, so now uh, the um, um, what do you do? Um, 
the chametz, we again just like we the chametz we said before that you want to use the next day, you put it away in a guarded place. What you found over here, make sure it doesn't get scattered so that you have it for tomorrow to burn. Okay, now we're going to talk for a minute after the bedika. We do the nullification of the chametz, and we're going to say the kol chamira. At this point, we're going to nullify the chametz that we don't know because we searched. And we may have missed something. So we're nullifying, we're saying we're giving up our ownership to any of the chametz that we might have missed. But we're not yet giving up the chametz all because we're still going to eat. We still have possession of the chametz. We don't give that up. Now what we're going to do is we're going to give that. Later on, we're going to give up hope from everything. What we know, what we don't know. We're going to have it. But at this point, we're not going to. We're just the chametz that we haven't seen that we missed. Now we're going to talk about selling the chametz. About selling the chametz. There's two ways actually of selling the chametz. Uh, when you when you give the rabbi uh, like a sale of chametz, what you're actually doing is you're not selling your chametz to the rabbi. What you're doing is you're authorizing the rabbi to sell the chametz for you. So he's acting in your agent. So when you fill out the form, you say that I hereby authorize Rabbi so and so to go ahead and act and dispose of my chametz that I own. And it's best to do it, you know, with, with a document to actually fill it out. And it's also best to specify the places where you actually are selling, not just say chametz that I have in my house, but to say the place because you're not selling your whole house if you're there. You're only selling one area in which you put all your things that you're selling. That's the area that is sold to the guy. You can't sell everywhere, the whole house. You can't have a pot here, a pot there, a little here, a little there. You have to gather all your chametz in one area, and then you sell it to that area. So you specify the area of the house that's being sold. That's right. The cabinet or whatever it is you specify. A basement, yeah, whatever it is, right. Uh, Now, when it's possible, we also make a kinyan. A kinyan consummates it that you raise like a, a, a cloth, you raise it up like three tvachim, that gives it more strength. If possible, you do it that way. Um, but if, when there is no choice, you can authorize the rabbi through the phone, you could, the internet, there's different ways. Best to actually hand the rabbi a dover and actually do a kinyan. That's the best way. That's the way we used to do it before they invented the internet and everything. Now, in the, uh, uh, the rabbi, the rabbi, they do it differently. They actually sell it to the rabbi. The, the, we authorize the rabbi. The tradition of the rabbi's home is he would sell the chametz, and they would also sell it with an or of kablin. An or of kablin. Okay, this is a, a uh, gets a little bit of a, the legal term. Um, there is a, a with a guarantor that is guaranteeing the uh, the sale. Uh, there is a there is an issue. You know, people question the sale. Uh, this is just a—it's uh, uh, just a formality. It's not really—it's just a tradition. You're not really selling anything. You know, you're—you're—you're—you're just—you know—you're just pretending. Like, but no. So to give it more validity, they used to use what is called an art of kablam. I mean, this is something which the Alter Rebbe instituted specifically because um, sometimes there is. Uh, there is an issue whether there is a really uh, 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 whether there is really a sale or not. 
the art of Kabbalah, putting in a Jewish person who guarantees the sale, makes it a stronger sale. Actually, this is just another way. Um, the, the, the way we, the way it's done, it's done through various different ty- types of kinyonim, uh, acquisitions, halachically approved ways to actually make sure that the guy acquires it. Um, and um, there used to be a tradition that's brought down in the to people to actually give the rabbi the key, to give to the goy the key, so that they can actually go into your house if they need to go in to get to the chametz. But it's not tradition lately. Rabbi uh, Miller asks yeah. us to give him the key. Don't have, but you don't have to. You don't have to give the, the key. And our tradition doesn't. Come in and see what he yeah, is. but the reality is, he doesn't know where the key is. He doesn't know where your house is. He doesn't know. know. He's not gonna know. <laughs> so really but the, you know, it's actually, really in the tzemach tzedek and the chulas, there is a uh, discussion about this, and it says it would be better. But lately, it's become, it's become almost impossible. I mean, we have so many keys, we have so many rooms, and we have so many. It's just you know become practically impossible. So they rely that you don't. Know, the rabbi need, would have a ten thousand keys. Yeah. Figure out whose keys. Yeah, even more than even more than that. More than you. Now, there's a few other things. Is and this is also this is the Chabad tradition. We actually believe 100% that this is a legitimate and legal sale. And therefore, we will actually sell mamish chametz, you know, actual chametz, which we know. If you have a bottle of mashka, you have a, something which is really chametz, you can sell it. Others, you know, question and they say, don't sell real chametz, but we sell real chametz. And we also sell the chametz the Kedishas. Why do you need to sell chametz the Kedishas? You don't really have to sell chametz the Kedishas because as long as you don't use it, you put it away, like we learned, you make a mechiz, you put it away before, you don't really have to sell it, but sometimes maybe you didn't wash the dish so well. You know, my wife always complains after I wash the dishes, she says you didn't do it good. <laughs> she says the stuff is still on there, you know. Right. <laughs> so, so what? what? The dishwasher's not perfect. My, no, the human dishwasher. Both the dishwasher does a better. The dishwasher does a better job than <laughs> than the manual dishwasher. No, but no, seriously. Sometimes you forget and you didn't wash well. Something ends up. So you want to sell the dishes because maybe it still has chametz on the top of it. So you want to sell the dishes too. Now here's an interesting catch. Normally, uh, when you buy dishes from a non-Jew, you have to toggle them. You know that you have to put them to the mikvah. Oh, so now you're going to tell me that you sell them back because you don't have to do it when you get them back. That's right. But you know, one would say, "Oh, you sold them to the guy. As you're bringing back the guy every year, you're going to have to go bring all your dishes back into the back to the mikvah." You know what a job that would be. So, so you're saying on one hand we're telling you to sell the the, the but we're saying no, we don't have to require them because it's a whole explanation. But the bottom line is the reasons for that use. Um, why we would need the guy does not apply to her, so we don't have to toil the dishes again. Now, you know, one of the things, you know, a Rebbe a lot of times gives you a blessing, but sometimes he gives you a blessing and he also connects it with something very physical. So sometimes a Rebbe will give you like some wine, sometimes he'll give you a bottle of, uh, of mashka, of uh, vodka, let's say, and sort of the blessing is rests itself on something physical. And when you're drinking, you're, you're having from the Rebbe's blessing over there. 
uh, various, you know, by the Polish Hasidim especially, there is something which is called Shiraim, they would lay left over, the Rebbe would eat, and with any piece left over from the Rebbe's fish, all the Hasidim would fight and eat it, because that would be, that would be like the holy, the Rebbe's food, that would be very holy. Now, but sometimes we have an issue, people hold on to, so let's say you got, you went by the Rebbe, and the Rebbe gave you a bottle of mashka, and you drink a little bit every day, you know, a little, a little sip because you want some of that blessing. But now we come Pesach. What do we do for Pesach? Uh, we don't want to sell that to a goy. <laughs> you know what? There's no choice. There's a story. Uh, there is a story told about what the Rebbe's that when he was young, they brought him to Cheder. They had this tradition. They threw candy. And they said, who's throwing the candy? They said the angel Michael is throwing the candies. But the kid, you know, he was so excited that Michael threw the candies, he put them in his pocket. And he didn't want to, he didn't want to eat them up because he, he was holding on to Michael's candies. Finally came out of Pesach, his mother made him, <laughs> made him give away, eat up those candies. He says it was time to give up the candy because, and Erev Pesach, because you don't want the rabbi's blessing to be in the goy's possession. So you just gotta, you gotta eat it up. Anyways. Um, and then there is the, um, if you have a, a, a hair cutting ceremony, um, you do it, uh, you do it before Pesach, um, because, um, um, otherwise you're going to have a problem with the haircutting during Sphira. You know, we don't cut our hair during oh, the time from, a, from after Pesach, from Pesach through to Shavuot, like Bomer in the middle, but you know, there's other, like other days. Yes, yeah, you get that. But between then, there's going right. to be a long... So the Rebbe says to do it right then and not sort of to push it on. Um, now, we brought up this earlier that there is a tradition... There's a tradition not to eat matzah for 30 days before Pesach, 30 days. But that's only a tradition versus halachically on Erev Pesach, on the eve of Pesach, one is not allowed to eat matzah. We want to make sure that when you're going to consume matzah on Pesach, you are going to, um, um, you are going to be excited about the matzah. You're going to be tasty. You haven't had it. But if you've been eating matzah all along, then you're not going to be excited about it. What? You're just not excited still, even not eating it, no? But that would be the only shmur matzah. Don't forget about that matzah. You have to eat shmur matzah. It tastes... It tastes burnt. No. It has a special taste. By the way, which the shmur matzah has the two, two powers. It has healing with it, and it also has faith in it, which means when you eat it, you gain actually faith. You know, it's... Uh, you don't have to have faith that it gives you faith, but that's already the kind of... No, so I'm no, saying that... Nothing, it was nothing I was ever fond of. Yeah? That way. Did you have a shmur matzah? We'll get you shmur matzah. You're going to... Yeah, shmur matzah, nothing else. Okay. okay. Um, let's just do this one more thing. Um, uh, what does an Arab Pesach? We know because of the um, firstborn that were smitten and the Jewish people were saved, there's a tradition to fast on Tai uh, um it's actually a, a halacha that um, uh, they should fast but um, and that would apply whether I mean the laws of a Bechor according to the Torah is only from the father but over here would be a firstborn from the mother and the father because uh, no matter uh, the Egyptian they were smitten it didn't matter you know father mother each any firstborn was smitten oh, so by the Jew by the Jewish people too whether from a father or a mother 
if in the, let's say if you're the first one to your mother, even though your father had another child, which you would not be a bechor as far oh, as inheritance or as far as pidyon haben, but uh, you know there would be, um, uh, I mean there were issues and there are different halachas in pidyon haben, but which each case separately. But I'm saying, but over here we'll do it. And now kohanim and levim, which were uh, exchanged for the bechorim as well, but they too everybody does the fasting and um, the the tradition has been accepted nowadays that the people participate in a siyum mesechta, they make a conclusion of a tractate and that allows them to to go ahead and eat and, uh, yeah, and uh, Jerusalem Talmud qualifies for that also and um, the, um, the Rebbe um, instructed that to say the regular, you know there's a special Kaddish they say which you say by your site, by uh, by the cemetery, there is a special kaddish. You also say the end, but Rebbe says say a regular rabbanon kaddish after the uh, conclusion of a mesechta, and um, of course there's other other words that we say over there and do it according to the tradition of the Alter Rebbe and the Alter Rebbe's sitter, and just to say that the Rebbe Rashavi brings down here would get up very early in the morning in Erev Pesach and he would make he would conclude a mesechta attracted even though. He wasn't a Bechar, but he would still do so. Um, and he would constantly um, make sure that everything is put away and, you know, making sure he would direct the home, that everything is done properly on Erev Pesach. And um, and then we're going to learn further on uh, um, how, it brings down all the way through the, the custom, what he did, but uh, we're going to learn later on, you know, there's something about baking the matzah's mitzvah, which you bake the matzah on the afternoon of Pesach itself. And we're also going to talk about till, up to when you can eat the chametz, but the mitzvah will continue that Be'ezer Hashem tomorrow. Be'ezer